Polystyrene has such a good name that I was just thinking of it as Polystyrene, and I've forgotten the actual name of the band. The actual name of the band this week, Jackson, is X-Ray Specs. Welcome back to Pizza Spins, everybody. It's Friday, not when you're listening to this, but it's Friday for us. I might listen to it on Friday. Well, okay, you might listen to it on the Friday after it comes out. Yeah, 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 but but for us, it is Friday, and we are listening to X-Ray Specs. Yes, Germ-Free Adolescence, um, which is their one and only actual album. Oh, really? Um, I thought it's yeah, only yeah. two albums. Uh, well, no. So there's Germ-Free Adolescence, and then there's Germ-Free Adolescence, the anthology, which is Germ-Free Adolescence plus the singles they released after, and there's, like, live recordings. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Well, well uh, according sure to my that? research... You sure about that? You sure about that? A second album called Conscious Consumer came out in 1995. It saw the request oh. of Laura Logic. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. We'll we will get to the '90s era X-ray specs. Um, oh, you don't count them. We'll get there. It's not that I don't count them. It's just that like Laura Logic and Polystyrene just went right back to fighting. So oh. I forgot what the pizza is this week, but I want to say it's the Dia vegetable crust mm. Mediterranean. Is that right? I think that it's the Sonic double cheeseburger. Uh, with tots and a drink. Well, I had beef stroganoff tonight, so clearly we don't respect this show at all. Any of us. None of us. I thought, what if we changed the name to Beats and Spins? And then we eat beets? No, we... we... No, we don't We don't eat anything. We cut the eating part out, change it to Beats, beats, beats and Spins. Beats and no. Spins? And pretend like, like Pizza Spins never existed. The pizza element was you never You want us there. to gaslight Gatekeep Girl Boss, our audience? If we're going to gaslight, let's let's go all the way and just leave the name Pizza Spins and act like it's totally meaningless. <laughs> it is no, totally meaningless, it isn't is. it? It really like, is. Where you get a pizza my mind what? about oh. this album. <laughs> we should go through and re-edit all the early episodes to remove any reference to pizza reviewing. <laughs> The only people that get it are us and Captain Ed and Andrew. If you know, you know. Oh, speaking of. My mom of... has listened to every episode so far. Okay, and Rebecca. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, so I, I do think that that is this week's pizza, is the Daya, uh Mediterranean vegetable crust or whatever. It's a frozen pizza. It's like $3 or something. I don't know. I love it. No, we'll it is there. not $3. I don't know. I don't pay attention. It's literally $10. Viewer discretion no, advised. Yes, it's like nine dollars. What? Hold on. Yeah, diet pizzas are really expensive. I'll be damned. All right, yeah, okay. So they're like eight or nine dollars. Split it. Yeah, split it with somebody. It's a small pizza. Whatever. It's good. All right. And our album is X-ray specs, germ-free adolescence. Mm-hmm. So, in keeping with, I guess, what is now my brand, I am covering yet another <laughs> British artist. And... Um, I promise one day I'll leave that island, but not yet. Almost um, all of our reviews so far, the only non-British artist that we have done is Hole. And Zappa. And Zappa, right, but we didn't do an album for him. Right. It was kind of Yeah, okay, it's episode. not just me. No, it's not just you. The Brits write good music. Yeah. They do. I have no respect for that country, but I no. really like all the musicians they put out. Yeah. Or at least most of them. Uh, before we actually start the episode, I want to give just like one little shout out to a particular source. Um, and uh, thanks to Captain Ed for reminding me about this source because I wanted to mention them for the Sisters of Mercy episode. But um, there's a YouTube channel that um, mainly focuses on British musicians, I think. And they only have about maybe 250, like under 300,000 subscribers. So that's why I want to give a quick shout out because... I use their videos to fill in any gaps that I have with my research or when I'm done with my main research to like, you know, give me, they give me like dates or extra figures or like fun little nuggets, things like that. That YouTube channel is Trash Theory. Love it. I used it for Sisters of Mercy. I used it for this episode. I watched their How Goth Became Goth video. Highly recommend it. Ooh, Trash Theory. theory. Tell them Pizza Spins you. When you get to my door, tell them Pizza Spin sent you. 
He did that. I just want everyone to know that he did that with a sonic pretzel twist in his Good. mouth. Good. <laughs> you have to. Otherwise, you can't get the the, the Boris. <laughs> Bobby Boris Pickett. I was working in the lab late one night when my eyes beheld an eerie sight. Oh, I said, unplug the mic. If that goes in the episode, the credit is to, um, oh, what is it? It's a podcast. It's a Comedy podcast. Bang Bang. That's from Comedy oh. Bang Bang. You did not need to shout out Comedy Bang Bang. I think <laughs> they have the audience. I think they're fine. I think they'll be all right, Jackson. In fact, I don't think they'll ever hear this. God. All right, so X-Ray Specs is another one of those OG punk bands from 1970s England, but with a few key differences, which if you've ever listened to them or seen a video of them performing, you've probably figured out what those differences are. Um, so singer Polly Styrene, you know, she hangs out with all our favorite ruffians in this local scene. Uh, there's a photograph of her inside of Johnny Rotten's house. Uh, and Germ Free Adolescence, the album that they put out, is honestly exactly as influential as Nevermind the Bollocks ever was. What sets them apart, though, is Laura Logic's sax playing and Polly's high-pitched, loud, almost grating style of singing. I could see their music annoying as many people as it entertains, frankly, and I'm a little interested in how y'all responded, because I think, I think the first time that I heard the album, it grated on me a little bit, and I was like, I don't know if this is for me. Second time, I loved it. Um, and then as a huge fan of punk and post-punk acts like Laura's follow-up band Essential Logic, which I highly recommend, Maximum Joy, Delta 5, ESG, and Lizzie Mercier Desclus, I obviously love this band and its album specifically for the shrieking style. What? You're making a face at me. That was just really hot. I no, it wasn't. Con congratulate you for saying that. Was that correct? It. Perhaps. I don't know. <laughs> what i'm not the <laughs> french you did it just sounded good i just wanted to congratulate you thank you yeah. since you took french like three times i'll take that yeah <laughs> like okay like six like six times i took french like six times okay well that 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 i meant you retook french three times so you're making yourself sound worse okay now you don't have to air out my business <laughs> as someone who was once fluent but has totally lost the language I will say that I don't know if that was good or not. Awesome. <laughs> Great. So I don't have an answer. Thank you very much. <laughs> I don't think that they're necessarily alone in this, but I feel comfortable saying that X-Ray Specs and its use of a variety of instruments outside the accepted punk lineup was hugely influential for these post-punk bands and the other music that followed. Even Polly's day-glow fashion seemed like she was looking towards the 80s a little bit. Always a little bit in the future. A brief history of Polly Styrene herself, just because I love her. She was born on July 3rd, 1957, as Marianne Joan Elliott Said. She grew up with her mother and at least one sister in Brixton. I don't know what happened to her dad. None of the, like, documentaries or anything that I watched mentioned that, so... Not sure, uh, but they moved to Brixton because her mom was concerned about Bromley, Kent, where she was born. She was worried the area was just going to be a little bit too racist for her daughter, which is a valid fear, given that the National Front was getting bolder at the time. And she had a rough childhood because her mom is a legal secretary raising her children as a single mom with no welfare programs behind her. I don't know if we talked about that during the Sex Pistols episode, but that was another big economic problem is that there's not... Like, not only is everybody on unemployment, but there's no, like, welfare programs. Or at least that's what everyone has said. I don't, I'm not mm -hmm. a historian, but from my understanding, there was no, like, WIC programs or anything to help her out, basically. Oh, okay. I mean, that's obviously our equivalent, but. Right. Um, and then at 14, she put her hair in dreadlocks and said that the black kids took the piss out of her. At 15, she runs away to join the hippies in 1971. She comes back a year later after she had stuck herself with a rusty nail. I don't know why she did that. Uh, I will say that later she is diagnosed with bipolar disorder. So I think this might just be, as someone with bipolar disorder, I think this might be some early signs of that a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Polly gets into music and puts out a reggae single called Silly Billy as Marie Elliott. But then she gets into punk after seeing who else, the Sex Pistols, at a show in Hastings for her 19th birthday. 
after that show, she puts an ad in Melody Maker and NME for, quote, young punks, with an X, who want to stick it together. The ones who answered were sax queen Laura Logic, guitarist Jack Airport, bassist Paul Dean, and drummer Paul B.P. Herding. Fun fact about the BP, it stands for Big Paul because he was larger than Paul Dean, but in interviews, Polly just said that it stood for British Petroleum. She herself took her name from the Yellow Pages because she wanted something contemporary and plastic feeling. That was kind of her main drive as an artist, which I'm sure you can tell when you listen to the album. Jack was a former glam rock musician, and Laura was a 15-year-old hobby saxophonist. And Paul was there because Polly liked how willing he was to try new things on the bass. And he really liked to play with like dub and reggae style bass lines, which she was very into. Mm. Um, Polly did all of the artwork for their covers herself. At the time she was in the band, she was inspired heavily by growing consumerism. So in post-war England, like we know, you know, there's rampant unemployment, but even so this American style consumer culture is still creeping in. In the book, Please Kill Me, Malcolm McLaren says, I think that's what's really created the anger. The anger was simply about money, that the culture had become corporate, that we no longer owned it and everybody was desperate to get it fucking back. Mm. And like several other bands from that scene, X-Ray Specs' lyrics poke fun at supermarkets, beauty standards, and having our own emotions sold back to us. Although the lyrics to these songs aren't necessarily angry about the changing culture, they're more making fun of it. Um, at the time, Polly says she's envisioning a plastic dayglow future. In her journal, she'd written, I envision a time when the distant future when synthetics rule. The downside, humankind destroy the natural environment. The upside, burgers will be cruelty-free rubber buns. So for Polly, this is just like a fun thought exercise mm -hmm. until the band is offered a residency at CBGB's in New York. In New York, Polly is confronted with the faithful capitalist hellscape that we're all very used to by now. She's disgusted by what she sees, saying it's everything I was writing about, but it was real. This experience makes her more self-aware, and she says that the weird thing about all the plastic is that people don't actually like it, but in order to cope with it, they develop a perverse kind of fondness for it, which is what I did. I said, oh, aren't they beautiful because they were so horrible. Mm. As I mentioned earlier, she was later diagnosed with bipolar disorder. She's also a black woman and was loud when she sang and just in her daily life. And she intentionally defied the beauty standards of the time with her hair, braces, modest clothes, and decidedly unmusical singing style. There is a rumor that she is a trained opera singer, but everything I said that mentioned that couldn't back it up and I couldn't find anything to back it up. Three or four different sources said that. She she so. did a good job hiding it. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like the way she played with her voice was something that female musicians at that time just hadn't really done. So that was one of the things. I mean, journalists gave her a lot of flack, but the fans loved it. I mean, as far as women in this scene, Debbie Harry is like the most famous woman to come out of this this particular wave of punk. And she's still yes. very conventionally attractive. She's the lead singer from Blondie, right? Yes, yeah, Debbie Harry from Blondie. And because punks prefer to celebrate what's ugly on purpose, Polly was absolutely perfect. She's unconventional in all the right ways, and their music is also weird enough with the saxophone to get them at attention, like get them attention at the time when like all their peers are also clamoring for it. They stand out. Right, yeah. Well, I was one thought that I had, I was surprised by the release date on this cuz I didn't look at it till after I heard it. Yeah. I thought that this was going to be like a 1980-1981 new wave album mm -hmm. because of how unlike the first couple years of punk it sounded like especially with the saxophone usage and some of the some of the way the guitar was some of the way the guitar was produced sounded very new wave to me but That's exactly why I compare them to bands like Maximum Joy and stuff that came after because that's what they sound like. They sound like something from 10 years down the line. Yeah. But despite their rapid success, not everybody's happy. According to Laura, Polly started to get jealous of the attention that Laura was getting um, and replaced her without notice with Steve Rudy Thompson. Laura Sachs is only featured on two of the songs, Oh Bondage Up Yours and I Am a Cliche, without credit, while the rest is performed by Rudy and Ted Bunting on Identity and Day the World Turn Dayglow. Those are Ted Bunting's. 
The official bio for the band from 2004 says that Laura's mom was a teacher who expected her to finish school, so they fired her for not being able to tour. So it depends on who you ask. But it's known that their egos kind of clashed when they were together. That's That was the 15-year-old? Yeah, yeah. She's like 15 at the time. Although it does take them a while to put this album out. Laura is fired before the album's released. Yeah. So I'm she not sure exactly how long school. she's with the band. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she yeah she does need to be in school. However. <laughs> um, so germ-free adolescence. We're finally to the album. Um, that is released November 10th, 1978 to really high praise and NME ranks at number nine for the year. The album's release, as I mentioned, was delayed quite a bit, but after they got it out, Polly was kind of over the punk sound. So the band releases a few more singles after that album, but everything fizzles out not too long after. And I just want to shout out one more sauce before we talk about the album. There's a documentary about Polly's life called I Am a Cliche, and that was released last month. It was made by her daughter, Celeste Bell, and it's currently making the rounds at film festivals, and it's only been officially released in the UK. So I faked my location and watched it anyway, and it's great. Highly recommend it. Shout out to our sponsor, NordVPN. <laughs> no, no, I actually used Express. <laughs> ExpressVPN, sponsor me. And the experience sucked because it wasn't NordVPN, our sponsor. <laughs> so now we're at the album and we can discuss it. Um, and since it's my episode, I will go last. Yeehaw! Jackson, you want to go first? All right, I'll start and Emily can party poop later. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. This is my favorite album so far that has not been my own pick. Amazing. And it's actually, I like it more than Oil of Every Pearl's on Insides, which, as we know, I picked because of current events. Uh, it's very good. I'm a big fan of New Wave, more so than punk. As we covered on the um, Sex Pistols episode, I think really early punk can be kind of samey. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why I love New Wave, because New Wave is when people started getting a little bit experimental with it doing things that were a little bit more interesting musically. Um, and it, it also, perhaps not so much on this album, but also New Wave tends to branch into more diverse lyrical content than just Fuck the Queen, which is great. And I think every album should have at least one Fuck the Queen song, whether it's punk or not. Yes. Um, so I really enjoyed this. Like I said, I thought it was a 1981 New Wave album because of the sax and uh, some of the arrangements and the style of guitar playing. I really, really liked it. I think Polly Styrene's a great vocalist. Uh, I didn't understand all the lyrics, but that's not Polly's fault. As I've said on the show before, um, I it's just can't process fault. it in real time, even you know if I understand. Bright. She has a pretty thick cockney thing going on but even if like someone is singing in like an appalachian accent which is probably the accent i've heard the most in my life i'm not gonna understand it the first time <laughs> um but the lyrics i did understand were really good i liked the singing about the underground community in london there are a couple of songs on there that tackled that I really liked the single. I don't think this was originally on the album, but I liked the single uh, Bondage Up Yours. Yeah, that's originally on the album. That okay. was like their big, big one. Yeah, I really liked that because I thought it, it um, it's kind of like standard punk and it's in that it's like fuck the way things are. But a lot of times, especially in early punk, or I would say exclusively in early punk, because New Wave and post-punk got a lot better with this, but in early punk, there's not a whole, whole lot of female voices, I feel. Mm -hmm. So I like that it tackles uh, those issues with the with the punk attitude of fuck you, fuck this. Um, uh, yeah, I really, really enjoyed it from beginning to end. There's a couple of songs on here that I added to my shuffle bag. Ooh, Jackson shuffle bag. Tell him about the shuffle bag. I have a shuffle bag. Shuffle I just bag? have a, for the past 15 years, well, not 15 years, I did have a shuffle bag before, but I guess I got Spotify in 2013. And since then, I've just 
put every single song that I like into this massive playlist. There's like 4,500 songs on it at this point. Why don't you just like the songs? Because I got really confused early on, and I would always save albums so I could listen to them when I was away from Wi-Fi. And it I don't know if it's like this anymore, but it used to be if you saved an album, it likes all of the songs. It still does yeah. that. And I couldn't figure out how to unlike songs, but I did a couple months ago. I figured out how to unlike songs, so I've been going through the playlist and liking. But it, like again, it's like forty five hundred songs, so it's gonna take a minute. The shuffle bag, twenty thirteen to twenty twenty one. Yeah, but that's my impression. Musically, I love it. I love Polystyrene's personality and vocal delivery. I love the lyrics. Oh, yeah. I could understand. <laughs> it's a little. I mean. It is in the very, very vaguest sense a little bit samey, but the mm -hmm. songs are all different enough that it didn't bother me considering the length of the album. Uh, and my favorite songs were the title track and the opening track and the single. So Germ-Free Adolescence, O Bondage Up Yours, and what, what, doesn't it open with O Bondage Up Yours? Maybe I'm wrong. Does it open with artificial? So. Not, the not the version I listened to. No, okay, so this is something that I noticed. The order of songs on Spotify is not the order of the track list mm -hmm. the way it was um it depends on whether you look at like the deluxe edition or the anthology cuz the anthology is a different different yeah track. right yes yes i probably looked at the anthology there were two songs in a row that talked that used the term underground extensively I didn't understand the full narrative of those songs, but obviously it's talking about the underground scene in London at the time, and I thought that the image and the feeling that I imagine it was like was conveyed very well in those songs, so I liked that sort of one-two punch. Oh, I liked the one where she talked about beating up that guy with her necklace or something. I couldn't tell. With her... With her Freddie tried to strangle me with my plastic popper beads, but I hit him back with my pet rat, rat because she's trying to do the Johnny Rotten thing. Rat, rat. She was like very heavily influenced by the Sex Pistols as individuals, and she like really wanted to be their friend, but she was way too sensitive for all of those punks because they were all like annoying lads. You okay, know, who legit, would, like, what would happen if we like tried to be in those friend groups? Yeah, no, it would be horrible. Yeah, like they. They like to beat each other up and like literally like fry shit and dare somebody to eat it. Yeah, and, and we would be like, they're just really not good communicators and they're not <laughs> being honest. <laughs> just like kind of toxic and like they just like don't respect my boundaries yeah. like at all. <laughs> yeah, probably Irene's a cancer. Aww. I know, I'm obsessed with her. She looks like a cancer. She's just so... Whatever. I love her. She's a fucking genius. All right, Em, what did you have to say about the album? Because I'm going to be talking for a long time about it. You know, <sighs> okay, what I will say, these are the tracks that I liked, and then maybe you can predict how I feel about the whole album based off of those. Um, so my favorite one was Warrior and Woolworths. Okay. Yeah. And then second, the day the world turned day glow. And then I did like germ-free adolescence. Um, and I liked the riff at the beginning of art I fischl. Mm -hmm. But um, other than that, I was like, oh, this sounds like, 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 huh. I don't want to say like ripped off Sex Pistols, but... I don't think it does sound like ripped off Sex Pistols. I think there's only like, because they were contemporaries, like they hung out. I mean, like they weren't like competing with each other for gigs or anything. Yeah, I was also coming at it from the perspective. I too thought that this album came out. I actually thought it came to, came out in like the late '80s, like early '90s for some reason. That's where I thought they were. So. I guess I was looking at it from a perspective of, oh, they that's like half of these songs sound like Sex Pistols and the other half sounds like Rocky Horror to me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that's why that. I like it. Yeah, no, but I mean, I, I will say like, I, I found it to be kind of like campy. It seemed kind of like novelty in some be. ways. 
Yeah, well, that and that makes sense. Because she's it's singing just... as a character. She's not necessarily singing as herself, and she's not dressed up necessarily as herself. She's yeah. like... I don't know. It's almost a concept album, but yeah. it's also just a response. To, like, the reason it's a punk album is because it's a response to their environment. Yeah. And because yeah. they were not worried about following any following any sort of musical conven- convention, even for a punk band. Yeah. Also, just while we're while we're talking about the album, the original twelve tracks for this song or for this album, um, because there is the anthology version, um, is Artificial, Obsessed with You, Warrior and Woolworths, Let's Submerge, I Can't Do Anything, Identity, Genetic Engineering, I Live Off You, I Am a Poser, Germ Free Adolescence, Plastic Bag, and The Day the World Turned Day Glow. The anthology version that's released in two thousand one contains Age, Prefabricated Icon. Um, I am a cliche, highly inflammable, cigarettes, junk food junkie, piecemeal, and a bunch of like live and demo recordings. Okay. So if you guys heard any of those songs, we can also talk about those. You're not I'm I'm gonna say for this one, you're not just limited to the twelve if you happen to hear any of the others. I did listen to a lot of the other ones. I liked Age. Yeah, Age is great. Cigarettes like is one song. of my favorite X Ray Spec songs ever. I don't know if I listened to that. Let me I think you both it. would like cigarettes. If you liked germ-free adolescents and Warrior and Woolworths, I think you'd like it. Let me listen to it. Now, I'll just say to, to comment on something Emily brought up, I thought that uh, Polly's vocal style was pretty derivative of Sid Vicious. <laughs> Who's the singer? Who's the singer? No, you fucked up. You fucked up. Joey the Sin. All right, sing. we're shutting well. it down. We're shutting it down. We don't know anything about music. We've just been reading Wikipedia. That's that's <laughs> What's who's this Johnny Rotten? <laughs> yes, Johnny yes. Rotten. Johnny John I did think the vocal style was pretty derivative of Johnny Rotten, uh, but I didn't mind it because Polly has such a better personality than Johnny. Yes. Well, okay, so I will say this. When I went back to my favorite tracks, there were a couple that I realized I liked more than I thought I did the first time. And there were, were a couple I was like, oh, I really don't like this. <laughs> Which was so odd. That usually never happens. I usually never, like, change my mind about a song in, like, the other direction. But, yeah. I also think maybe listening to it out of order might have done me a bit of a disservice. But I don't know how much attention was paid to track ordering, so... I don't either. And considering how often it gets reordered, depending on what you what version you listen to, what release you listen to, I don't think it matters too much. Yeah. There's not really like a narrative. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I didn't see anything that made me think that the track ordering was in any way deliberate. Um, but I might be wrong. I thought that, I think there must have been at least a little bit of attention to the track listing because I thought... That the segue between Let's Submerge and I Can't Do Anything is one of the best track transitions I've heard on any album. I mean, other than albums that there's literally no break in the music, like yeah. Pink Floyd stuff. Yeah. Um, I literally thought when I Can't Do Anything started, I thought Let's Submerge was continuing. And there was like three seconds of silence. It was really good. And there's no way it's a coincidence. Yeah, maybe it is deliberate. I don't really listen to albums in order very much. That's probably my biggest like sin. <laughs> like I don't I don't respect track listing orders and when I listen to an album for the first time, I usually just hit shuffle. What? You yeah. haven't been listening to the albums? No, I just hit shuffle and then I listen to all of them. I hit shuffle to start. And then I usually go back after I've heard like three songs. Then I go back and listen in order. Angel, but I have to shuffle because I have no, to no, get no, the no, vibe. No, 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 no. Why does everyone do hate that? that? No, no. This is why you didn't like Madcap laughs. Yeah. yeah. Any any <laughs> bad opinion you have? Oh my God! What if all of your taste in music changes? <laughs> There's a reason Sid Barrett didn't release singles. <laughs> oh, well. I don't remember if I listened to Madcap in order or not. I'm sure I did at some point because I listened to it like seven times. Okay, 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 Angel. So from here on, <laughs> at least for my albums, I'll let you know if you are if if you can shuffle them without destroying them. Yeah. Yes. 
Yes. I God, think I can't true. believe we just learned. <laughs> I everyone everyone who learns that about me acts like I've I've told them that I've killed someone because track orders are deliberate. Well, they're well, just not always. I know it's like a time. big middle finger to the artist, but like <laughs> you're like make it easier. <laughs> I put think... your best songs first. Put the duds <laughs> at the end. I mean, that makes sense, honestly, for Angel's taste in music, because punk and new wave and that kind of stuff, a lot of the times Angel the track. The ones we've done so far, though, I feel right. that with like punk track listing is not as paid attention to it as, as it is in like progressive rock yeah, right, and right, stuff right. like that. Yeah, I agree with yeah. that. Angel, I, I, I want to know what you think about this album, since you love it so much. Why you love it so much? Well, I love it um, because I think that her piercing vocals and the saxophone layer onto each other really nicely. I know that they kind of sound discordant, especially when you listen to live recordings. It sounds like an absolute fucking mess, but I love it. I love the energy behind it. I love the lyrics to the songs. I know that they're kind of hard to parse, and for many years I didn't really know what she was saying. Um, but yeah, there's just... Um, I love it. I love that it's like almost ahead of its time, but at the same time, exactly what was like not really necessarily needed at the moment, but from an artistic point of view, it's like it's right up there, but it's forward thinking a little bit. Like, um, I don't know. I'll just I'll just break down the songs. Um, please, please. Do. I will say that my favorites of, of all X-Ray Spec songs are in no particular order. Oh, Bondage of Yours. Artificial, Cigarettes, Identity, and Genetic Engineering. Those are my top five. Um, I'm surprised that you guys didn't really like Identity or I Live Off You or Genetic Engineering or even Plastic Bag because like, I don't know. I love all four of those songs. I think they're great. I can understand how you would say that they sound the same, but I disagree. Maybe because I've heard them so much that I can pick them apart from the first three seconds, but I don't know. I did not dislike those tracks. They just didn't stand out. I didn't dislike a single track on this album. Uh, also, just to let you know, I was ordering Sonic while I Live Off You and I Am a Poser were on. So Ah, uh, you should go back and listen to I Live Off You. Okay. I Live we'll Off do. You is really cool because um I don't know. I, I live off you and uh I mean all the all the songs on this album kind of have the same theme of consumerism and exploitation in at, at like various people's hands but basically just that like the man tm's hands um jackson you mentioned that oh bondage is like a feminist anthem a lot of people consider it to be a feminist anthem including kathleen hannah who has polystyrene to thank for her entire fucking career but um this song definitely especially like the beginning like the chuckle and then the some people think little girls should be seen and not heard but i think oh bondage up yours that has become like a rallying cry but when the song was released people thought it was like some kinky snm thing um, um of which course is like, okay just because she says the word bondage right um well, the reason that she uses the word bondage is because she was inspired to write the song because she saw like two girls handcuffed together at a, a sex pistol show like in the audience. Um, and then she went into Vivian Westwood's shop and she saw like this this suit that Vivian had made that was basically like a giant straight jacket with like buckles and like the legs were strapped together and stuff like that. So yeah. it doesn't exactly come from like, ah! actual bondage although as we know vivian and malcolm did take a lot of their inspiration from like snm wear um yeah, for their it's, fashion it's kind of a double entendre right yeah. but the bondage she's talking about isn't just like sex or feminism it's all forms of bondage in a mojo magazine interview in 2008 polly said um Polly said, people thought it was a sort of kinky snm song but it was about breaking free from the bondage of the material world she also said, you know, she came up with the idea at the show and then that suit had a role, but it's about feminism, slavery, capitalism, all the isms that hold us back. And when John Savage interviewed her for the original 1992 run of the book, England's Dreaming, she said, it has that line in it, chain store, chain smoke, I consume you all. You were tied to these activities for someone else's profit. 
like she's she's kind of just railing against like the illusion of choice and it's like no you don't actually have all this freedom you are just consuming you're just buying like they want you to and you have no other choice and i want to be free from that yeah and then of course the deeper irony is when you buy x-ray specs music or merch (laughs) (laughs) me looking at my x-ray spec shirt hanging up over there I thought it was going to be about sex when I saw the song title, but literally as soon as it started, I was like, this is clearly a social commentary song. Right. This is not about that. Like, this is not that kind of sex. Yeah, I think the people that thought that it was about that never heard the song, frankly. Yeah. And the same is true for Identity. Um, which is just a much, uh, just as much about the media image for women as it is for Black women in particular. Polly feels like the world is obsessed with putting people in boxes, um, which is a feeling that she developed early when she was hanging out with groups of either Black or white kids. So, like growing up in like the '60s in the UK in uh, Bromley, Kent, and then later in Brixton, she had these experiences where she would hang out with like the white kids, and she would have to reject her father. She said, like, depending on which kids she was with, she would have to reject either her mother or her father. Um, And, like, obviously, like I mentioned earlier, like, Black kids would make her reject her mother and they would make fun of her for her braids and be like, oh, you want to be Black so bad. Like, neither of them accepted her for what she was. And so she very early was like, okay, these boxes are fucking ridiculous. They've never served me. You know, that kind of thing. And that's a feeling she carries with her her whole life. Um, I think that I Live Off You is yet another song where we can see that same theme because instead of directing her attention towards one specific issue, she's got this broader view that everything and everyone is kind of fucked up. Like she says, see, we got to be exploited by somebody, by somebody, by somebody. She's like, no matter what, you know, the cat eats the rat, the pimp beats the whore, and she cries out for more and more. Like, yeah, everybody is getting exploited by something. Yeah. Um, and and she rails against consumerism this whole, whole time. Like in Artificial, she says, existence is elusive, the kind that is supported by mechanical resources in a consumer society. She's trying to find like, where do I fit amongst all this shit? Where is our, where is our culture going? Who am I? If I'm not black and I'm not white and I'm not a pretty woman, who the fuck am I? right if, if I i'm not rich and i'm not poor who yeah. the fuck am i yeah what 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 yeah where do where do we put the parts of us that can't be commercialized right and i think of all of these songs plastic bag is probably the best song about this she calls out certain brands like you know weedabix and all that i think this song if you're gonna listen to one song to sum up the whole feeling of this album that isn't oh bondage up yours i would say plastic bag um you know she has like lyrics like 1977 and we've seen too many ads um we're going to show them all that apathy is a drag which is what they're doing with the punk scene she's also she of course references it in songs like let's let's submerge and in plastic bag um polly compares her brain to a trash bag which is absorbing just everything that she's seen in adverts and like how these mundane objects like kleenex and weedabix are now totally inseparable from her daily routine She's like, I don't know what's going on. That's the operator's job, not mine. That's a passive acceptance of this new reality and like a willingness to like relinquish oneself to like corporations deciding everything for you. She's just like, everyone's brains are becoming plastic mush and we're just letting it happen. And to choose to deliver all of that insightful information through nearly unintelligible screaming (laughs) it's not screaming i think her voice is actually really well controlled i think she goes up like exactly i agree with you i agree with you (laughs) that's for the bets (laughs) as you're reading these lyrics and obviously i didn't get most of them the first time uh i'm noticing that these lyrics are a lot more universal and relatable maybe not to me personally uh because of the incredible uh, amount of privilege I was born with. Right. Um, but they're very relatable and universal in a way that, like, some of the songs on the Sex Pistols album were very tied to their time. It was basically yeah. they were saying fuck you to whatever was going on, yep. whereas these lyrics are getting more to the core of issues. Right. Like, why – like, the Sex Pistols were like fuck the queen, whereas – 
you know, it seems like if polystyrene wrote a song about the monarchy, it would be deeper. It would be like, this is why the queen sucks rather than just fuck you. Right. Right. Yeah, I agree with that totally. It's, it's yeah. more abstract thinking. I think one of the reasons why I still love this album is how relevant it still is today. Unfortunately, like we can still see how much capitalism continues to evolve in order to suck us dry every day whether it's like a million startups or all these different subscription services or whatever the fuck like we can't our lives are so inextricably tied to what we buy and where we get it from that it is supposed to say something about us morally and say something about our personalities like we're supposed to have like these emotional connections to brands and products and that's exactly what she's talking about she's like this is like i mean this is it this is the way that this is what keeps the world turning i wonder okay my question to you guys is this why do you think those day glow colors are so strongly associated with like cheap plastic toys great yeah thanks that's exactly why (laughs) It is every time America has an economic boom and it happened in the 50s and it happened in the 80s, mm-hmm. they start Early putting garish colors on literally every product. Yep. <laughs> everything. Everything they can get their hands on. They're like, this needs to be neon pink. And then usually it ends up getting ironically adopted by much cooler people, which is what happened here. Uh-huh. Oh, so like 50s, 60s, 80s, 90s. Oh, yeah. okay. It's yeah, I was I was going to call attention to like how much her fashion and how much all of this reminds me of the 80s and also of 60s mod. She's like yes. sandwiched yeah. right between the two. Right. Where it's yeah. like still sharp, clean lines and bright, vivid colors. Color block sort of styling. Right, yeah. There's just, I don't know what it is. There's just something about it. Maybe it's because... Um, items when there's an economic boom are more disposable and you're supposed to express yourself with them more whereas in times of like the depression everybody wore like three colors because it was about being practical and utilitarian right whereas in the 80s you can have six colored like pairs of spandex yeah i don't know you know in the depression why would you wear so many colors because if someone takes your picture that's just wasted that's wasted dye Okay, Jackson. That's not how pictures work. You've just wasted. You're gonna what? You're gonna show off this great fit to your friends? How? You have dude. to go visit them. Yeah, dude. dude I bet World about... War Two fit pics sucked. <laughs> we can't even oh, see the coordination, bro. No. Hey, and here's another thing in the Depression. Not only can you not get the colors of your fit in the picture, where are you gonna post it? <laughs> On the bulletin board? If you had a banging fit, <laughs> if you had a banging fit in 1942, but nobody saw it besides your wife, ew, did you even wear it? Did you even have a fit? Did you even have drip, Ernest? Did you? What What are you going to do? You're going to go down to the bar so everyone can see your outfit? No. They're closed. It's prohibition. <laughs> Went out, they folded weeks ago. Oh my god. Oh my god. There's actually one last thing I want to say about the album. So in there's three songs. I'm a poser, I am a cliche, and artificial, where Polly acknowledges the superficiality of everything around her, including her own image. She's aware, like, what I'm in right now, this is an artistic movement. It's another form of expression. It's never going to be totally divorced from either industry or society and its conventions. But then in Let's Submerge, she kind of celebrates um, everything about the punk scene. So I think she has this like dual awareness that what we're doing is totally new, but it's also still a part of the machine. And I think she's trying to reconcile that throughout this whole album as well. The American dream. Well, I guess the, the, the human British dream. dream. The post-war British dream. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I also think that um, after watching that documentary that Celeste Bell, her daughter, Put out. I, I listen to Obsessed with You in a different light. I see it as a cry for help. Um, that is going to be my segue into the fun facts corner. Um, this is fun not really a fun fact, corner. but just before leaving X-Ray Specs, Polly suffered a mental breakdown. Um, 
she was at Johnny Rotten's house and she disappeared into the bathroom for an hour, for half an hour. Um, and when she came out, she had shaved her head. Before this, they had performed in Victoria Park and Polly said that she had hallucinated a UFO and the UFO, it was like this big pink triangle. She said it was ugly. Um, and then it told her to quote, give up the plastic life. Um, and when she was telling this to a friend later, she got up, got in her car and started stripping saying, I want to be Marianne. I want to go back. That's when her mom admitted her into a mental hospital where she was mistakenly diagnosed with schizophrenia um, saying, because she had said that she had seen UFOs and been visited by aliens since the age of three. They later changed that diagnosis to bipolar disorder. I do want to mention that Polly did say that she had hallucinated. She said that at the time. So it seems like she was aware that this wasn't happening to her because she was like, nobody else saw it. I was just hallucinating. Um, after she leaves the band, her and Laura Logic both actually end up joining Hare Krishna and raised her daughter oh. Celeste with them. She had a few more mental breakdowns over the years, um, and her daughter admits that she was kind of a neglectful mother because she wasn't always capable of caring for her during this time. Um, so yeah, not a fun fact, but her and her daughter did become close again uh, shortly before her death, like a few years before her death of breast cancer. Um, one other fun fact, as we know, BBC loves to censor punk music. So when O Bondage was released on September 30th of 1977, it actually never charted. People love the song, but BBC refused to play it. Um, they refused to play any punk music, actually. The vinyl pressings of the single sold out anyway, so it didn't slow them down any, but... Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, and then uh, my last fun fact here, um, their manager's name was Falcon Stewart. Um, I think that in of itself is a fun fact, that his name was Falcon. <laughs> Um, and he was like obsessed with Polly. Um, the documentary that Celeste made claims that they had a relationship. I don't know how far that went. I think that was one of her, I don't know. Her daughter said she uh, had a hard time maintaining serious relationships for longer than a couple of years. So I don't really know what happened with Falcon. I don't think they ever confirmed it, but I think everybody was like, yeah, they got something going on. Mm. Was this individual also her age? Um, I think he was a little older than her. I think like ten plus. Was years it old. um, oh, what's his name? Uh, Leonard Cohen. <laughs> yeah, Leonard Cohen found her on a beach. You know those famous, famous British beaches that aren't definitely aren't rocks. Courtney Love did an AMA the other day, <laughs> and I thought about asking her, "What do you know about Leonard Cohen? Tell us about. Tell Leonard us what Cohen. you know about Leonard Cohen." Um, no, I just asked because. In the, I'm like simultaneously watching a video on mute of her behave and she just looks so young. She, yeah, she like was 19. like 17 or 19 or something when this band was together. She was very young. And that's right. crazy because Leonard Cohen didn't release his first album until he was 32. Stop! And it was like 12 years before this.
guys. So this whole pizza thing, what should we do? Because we have not been doing very good about the pizza. But we like the pizza. We can stick with the pizza. Or we could give the pizza a one-way ticket to Nowheresville and get them out of here and never eat a pizza on here again. So We'll order delivery to an address that doesn't exist. <laughs> So, so what what do you guys think we should do? That's what we want to know. Give should give us a little DM, uh, send us an email, whatever, and we'll take that into consideration for next week's episode. Which next week we're gonna be taking a look at Cocteau Twins' 1985 double EP release, "Echoes in a Shallow Bay" slash "Tiny Dynamine." These were originally released as separate EPs, however. Pretty much since the original run sold out, it's been sold as a full album with one EP on one side and one EP on the other. So that's what we're doing. Wow. I'm geeked. I'm so glad we're talking about Cocktail Twins because I thought I was going to have to do it. Yeah, that is the Cocktail Twins. Next. <laughs> Cocktail Twins. The Cock Row Bit. The Cockatoo Twins. twins. The, cock- <laughs> the Cockatiel Twins. We will see you guys in the future. Bye. Hi, everyone. Thank you for listening to our special episode on Frank Zappa today. Unfortunately, Frank Zappa's lead singer from 1979 until 1988, Mr. Ike Willis, has recently been diagnosed with prostate cancer. His primary source of income is performing Frank Zappa songs uh, at various festivals throughout the world. And over the past year, he's really taken a hit financially, um, which I'm sure we can all understand as performers. Uh, So he has uh, started a GoFundMe to fund his treatment, and we would like to go ahead and plug that because by all accounts, Ike Willis seems to be a great fella, and he makes a lot of really good music, and uh, we want to help him out if we can. So we're going to be putting a link to his official GoFundMe uh, in the description for this episode, and you can also look up Ike Willis Frank Zappa alum relief on Google or your preferred search engine. Thank you very much.